Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. It was high level hoops at 20 paces last night at the Breslin Center. Two teams and a metaphorical knockdown dragout where speed, quickness, power are all on display, and neither team backed down. Crowd was wild and crazy. It reminded the suit of a Shiklemi Jersey Shore game. <laughs> no? Maybe not quite to that extent, but maybe it's close. Well, I'm talking about the people who are yelling at him. Jersey Shore, he's not well-liked. I mean, he ripped them on the air, and they haven't forgotten. <laughs> so. But it was also a game where last night the Stars were the Stars. Cassius Winston, free throw aside at the end, played great basketball all night. Now, Xavier Tillman had some uh, struggled a bit finishing around the bucket. A lot of that was Mike Watkins. But he grabbed 11 rebounds. He blocked five shots. He was incredible. Byron Jones, Penn State's second leading scorer. Sick. Sick. So if you're wondering why that last free throw at the end, oh, he didn't make the free throw. Okay. The tank was almost empty. And he scored 20 last night. He was 6 of 8 in threes, and he made some other really good decisions. He had three assists. He probably could have had seven last night with some of the decisions he made. And then there's Lamar Stevens. Obviously, I'm watching almost four full seasons of Lamar Stevens. He's had some great games, great moments, like in you know, the Marquette game where he scored 30, the NIT championship game where he was great. He ended up being the MVP. He had some games last year. He's had some this year. But that, considering the circumstances, the opponent, the location, that's the best game I've seen Lamar Stevens play in his career. 24.7 rebounds. And that was just a big-time performance against a really, really good team. Michigan State has lost two games at home this season. Penn State and, uh, oh, what's the other one? Yeah, they got the coach with the long name. Uh, It's right, Duke. Yeah. That's it. In conference, in conference games, Michigan State's been winning by an average of 18 points a game at home. And they, and Penn State just went toe-to-toe with them all night long. There wasn't a point in the game where I felt Penn State panicked. Oh, did they have a couple of loose possessions back-to-back at one point? It's like, okay, just slow down a bit. Sure, that happened. 
I mean, would you like to talk to the Michigan State people and ask them how many loose possessions they felt they had in the game? Sometimes you get so tunnel-visioned on your team, you forget the same standard applies to the other team. So, yeah, did Penn State have a couple loose possessions? Yeah. Did Michigan State have a couple loose possessions? Yeah. But in the end, on that particular night, Penn State was the better team last night. And I think what really struck Michigan State, Michigan State has speed, quickness, and normally they normally they have more than the opponent. Maybe Illinois. But they found out last night is Penn State is as quick and in some instances were quicker, faster than Michigan State last night. If you're a neutral fan, no dog in the hunt. You're a neutral fan watching that. You're like, that is some basketball game. That's how I felt watching the Illinois-Iowa game. I was like, that is some basketball game. Just like you're watching Iowa-Penn State in wrestling. Like, that's some dual meet. Well, that was some basketball game last night. Just as a basketball game. I mean, just as a basketball game. That was just a really good college basketball game. Part of what we do on the show, especially in this instance, part of what we do on the show is we try to do whatever we can to explain or educate. For example, um, was it last week or maybe the week before, whatever, I was explaining the quad system. Now, that's that's a term you've heard but I'm not sure everybody's ever had it defined for them before. Because let's face it, I mean, look, no offense to Bucknell. Bucknell, yeah, they're in the quad system, but it means nothing to them getting into the tournament. So it, that's why the term with Bucknell doesn't come up. It doesn't mean anything. Bucknell has to win the Patriot League tournament to get it into the NCAAs. So the quad thing doesn't mean anything. That's why the term is not going to come up when it comes the Nathan Davis's excellent program. And Nathan has an excellent program. But the quad thing doesn't come up for what I just explained. They have to win their conference tournament to get in. When you are fighting for not just your conference championship, but the doors open to an at-large, now the quad system comes in. That's why we explain, you know, 1 through 30 at home is a quad 1, 1 through 50 neutrals a quad 1, 1 through 75 on the roads a quad 1, you know, and then the quad twos and how it works. And that, with the quad system, and Penn State picked up its sixth quad one win last night. I think Penn State's six and three in quad one, I want to say. Let me see here. I'm going to have to look it up and see just to make sure. But what that does is it tells the committee that not only can you, you know, get in the tournament, but if you get in, are you capable of advancing? Can you win in the tournament? That's the indicator to them that you have the potential to do that. All right. So that's what it, that's what it, it gives you the it tells it gives the committee that you have that potential to do it. That's what it means. So that's why we explain that. A couple times in the last 
couple weeks. So now here's the next part. At 12.30 on Sunday on CBS, uh, my apologies, 12.30 Saturday on CBS, 12.30 Saturday on CBS, As you know, that in college football, okay, so Penn State is six and four, quad one, four and zero, oh, quad two. All right, so that's where they are. Um, nine quad one wins Kansas, seven Baylor, um, Seton Hall six, Butler six, Creighton six, Oregon six, Penn State six. Uh, Iowa was credited as seven. After that, that's it. Those are the only teams in the country that have six or more quad one wins at this moment. Duke has five. Nova has five. Louisville has four. Dayton, which is a really good team, has three. West Virginia has five. Who else? LSU has three. Uh, Michigan State has four. Penn State has two more quad one wins than Michigan State does. Uh, where's Kentucky? Kentucky has four. All right. So that aside. So the next thing up is going to be, as you know, the College Football Playoff Committee puts out its rankings every week. And then it leads up to the final selection. Well, college basketball, two years ago, I think maybe it was three years ago, three years ago, adopted that same system where they put out the top 16 seeds bracketed four by four in the four brackets. That's coming out Saturday for the first time at 1230 on CBS. Now, I don't know if what they've done is enough, but Penn State could be on that list with a lot of basketball to be played. I mean, they've got another tough game with Minnesota coming up Saturday at 4 here, and then you just keep going for it. You just go to the next one. You go to the next one. You go to the next one. But the next indicator out there is to where things at the moment, the current snapshot, will come out on Saturday at 1230 on CBS. And that will be the announcement of, at this hour, or in this snapshot, who the top 16 seeds are currently. And then you go from there. So that's the next thing to watch for on a national basis. It's something that Penn State fans have not been interested in it except in passing. Now you'll have some interest to see if you made it or not. And if you did, holy cow, really? And then you go from there. So, again, we try to point these things out to you along the way. That way you know what's happening, why it's happening, the reason it's happening. And that way... It's not a surprise to you. That's part of doing the show. That way you're not surprised. That's, you know, I hate calling it an education process because that sounds so pompous. 
Uh, sounds like it came from the back corner office. Did he finally bag the digital media office, by the way? Um, yes, but actually that is now uh, Rob Center's office. Oh, finally it's getting some use. All right, we'll come back with uh, more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I was at the Mark D'Antonio press conference last night. Oh, yeah, how did that go? This is just an observation, and I'm not going to say whether it's accurate or not because I don't know the man. But just my impression, just my impression, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. My impression is, is as follows. He struck me last night as burned out by the whole thing and defeated I do agree with that. I just, I mean, I'm just saying, just by being in the room, you know, seeing how he was, and look, I look, he's not the most charismatic speaker to begin with. Right, so let's be fair about it. Uh, a lot of times he talks like that, but, geez, Matt, he just seems so defeated. He just seemed burned out by the whole thing, and not burned out by coaching. You know, in these jobs today, you have to deal with so much off-the-field stuff all the time. And he did acknowledge that. So yeah, he did acknowledge it. By dancing around the report, but he did acknowledge that off-the-field stuff. Well, well, when he was asked if this had anything to do with the lawsuit, he immediately shot it down. Yeah, he denied it. Which yeah. Is, yeah, which is what you expect him to do. I mean, of course. Did you, did you expect him to say, yeah, it really had a lot to do with it? Of course I expected him to say, no. I mean, Dick and I Dick and I were standing in the back. We kind of smirked a little bit at each other when he said that. Like, okay, sure, okay, we got you. But there wasn't as uh, many questions about that as I thought there would be. Well, you know what? Sometimes when you're in a room like that, well, you know, because I think Jack Ebling asked him, and Jack gets the first question from the Lansing State Journal. Jack's an excellent, excellent reporter. Um, and it was about, I think, about what went into the decision, whatever. That was a really good starting point. And he got asked about his legacy. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I just think that when it came to something like this, you get the one question in about that, there's no other question to ask there. In other words, what other questions you, you you can ask a question eight different ways, and the answer is still going to be no, 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 no. Right? Even though normally five hour and fifty five minute depositions, and I was right by the way, the federal limit on a deposition is seven hours, which I said yesterday. Um, that takes a lot out of you. And as I, I, I think I said yesterday, did I talk about the preparation I do for games? I think I mentioned that. Yes, with the game charts and how you notice certain yeah. trends with players and whatnot. Yeah, and the trends I noticed with Michigan State was like, okay, you'd have to look okay, he's suspended. Like, I tell, obviously, some guys get hurt. He suspended. He got arrested. He got arrested. He got suspended. And this happened. It seemed, it seemed... There's a couple of years where Penn State didn't play them, but it seemed it was happening almost every time I had to sit down and revamp Michigan State. Well, that's telling me you've got a problem. And every every program in the country, every program in the country, 
has a problem or an issue they have to deal with. They all do. Believe me, it's not Shangri-La over Clemson. It's not Shangri-La over at Alabama. Okay? Everybody has to deal with some off-the-field problem somewhere, somehow, some way. It just seemed to me, my impression is that compared to other programs where I'm doing the same kind of preparation, there was not just more, but many more at Michigan State. D'Antonio did a great job there as the all-time winningest coach there with 114 wins. Timing means everything. Timing means everything. I don't care whether it's in your own life, job, whatever it may be. Okay? For Lisa and Matt, for example, timing perfect to have a Luke Joseph in their life. Perfect timing. Mark D'Antonio's timing at Michigan State was excellent. He came on when Michigan, you know, they brought in Rich Rodriguez and they hit an area of disarray and he took advantage of it because he's a good coach and they do a good job of developing talent. Right, let's be fair. But he also hit it at a time where Ohio State hit a patch with the Jim Trestle situation, then Fickle taking over for a year, and then Urban Meyer and company not being eligible to play uh, in a bowl game the first year, even though they went undefeated. And, of course, when Penn State had sanctions put on them. So Michigan State's timing with D'Antonio was really good. The last four years, the timing ran out. He, In the last four years, he had one really good year. The other three were not. Penn State had passed them out. Ohio State really had passed them out. I don't, really, I don't know how to explain, talk about the Michigan thing in terms of where the two of them stand. But his timing was great. He took advantage of it, but then the timing ran out. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. The Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Got back from East Lansing about one this morning. Penn State playing three games in seven days, won all three, including the win at Michigan State last night. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Also, James Franklin in the next half hour on Penn State football and new members of the staff and the late signing period. But first, we're going to get oh, a taste of spring. We need it badly. 
Bob Nightingale, USA Today on Baseball. Bob, welcome back. It's always great to have you with us. Yeah, my pleasure, Steve. Okay, so let's start with Mookie Betts. Uh, it's been expected the Red Sox would make a move. They also made a move with David Price. Uh, baseball doesn't have a hard cap like everybody else, but that luxury tax number is, is kind of like acts for some teams as a cap. What does this do for the Red Sox in terms of staying underneath that number? Well, now they're, un- now they're under it. They wanted to reset it. They did. Uh, it's just surprising with you know, a team like the Red Sox, those kind of resources – you know what's what's the salary cap? You know it's like not a big thing, and they were uh, had the highest payroll a couple of years ago, but they won the World Series. So now they're kind of rebuilding, which is tough to do in that town. Still have some big contracts, so you wonder who else will be trading before the years out. All right, man, I find that interesting. So let's talk about the Dodgers. So what do they get between bets and price, and what does that then do to their profile moving forward? Well, it's huge. Now they have those marquee stars there again. They're already probably the team to beat in the National League. Now they really are, uh, you know, maybe the team to beat in all of baseball. It's like they won seven straight division titles, but it wasn't enough. Uh, that's, you know, they got to win a World Series. So now they have, you know, arguably the second best player in the game behind Mike Trout. Uh, David Price will be a lot better going from the AL East to National League West, but checking that pitcher friendly ballpark. So, yeah, there's no reason they can't win 110 games. I think they'll be that good. Now, the other team involved in this was uh, Minnesota. They got Kenta Maeda. So how do the Twins benefit out of all this when it's all said and done? Well, they trade their top you know, young prospect to get Maeda, and he's okay. He's like a five-inning pitcher, but you know, gives them some uh, depth in that rotation. And they have the offense. It's just the pitching that's been the problem. So we'll see what happens now. Uh, but, yeah, it's nice. Nice little move for the Twins as well. Okay, so Alex Verdugo and Bruzdar Gratterall. That's what the Red Sox get out of this. I'm sure they're dancing on Jersey Street. We'll use the old it's for Jersey Street uh, compared to Yawkey Way. Uh, they're not dancing on the street there, are they? No, no. It is uh, Jersey Way now. They changed the names. You're right, Steve. It's back to okay. Jersey Way. It's back yeah. to when I was yeah. a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they changed it a couple of years ago. So, yeah, back that back that way. And uh, But, yeah, they're very upset there. And uh, I'm sure it'll be a Paul all, all over the Red Sox camp. And I'll start there next week just to see what's going on. But I'm sure you know, they don't even have, have a manager right now. It's a little bit of a chaos there in Boston. Yeah, a little bit of a chaos. The other part, too, is uh, would it be safe to say the Red Sox minor league system, because they mortgaged a lot of it to acquire players, which won the World Series. So let's, let's remember, there was an investment that paid off for them. Uh, but where is the Red Sox farm system right now? Because when you're in a situation like that, that could help. Will they get any help out of it? Well, the kid from Minnesota, you know, might be a number three starter one day. Maybe he's a bullpen guy. Uh, Verdugo's got talent, but also has off the field issue as well. I think the Dodgers never thought he'd become that star. You know, if they did, they would just kept him there, you know, and uh, and had him for control for five years instead of going after Mookie Betts. So, uh, yeah, the jury's out on Verdugo. So I think it's more of just a salary dump than anything else. Uh, and then, of course, uh, when you look at uh, the race itself, it seems like the Yankees in Tampa Bay end up being winners out of this. It feels like they've passed out the Red Sox in one fell swoop. 
Yeah, absolutely, Steve. It's a uh, yeah, yeah. People sleep on the Rays. Rays are very good, so uh, yeah, there's no reason the Rays can't win high nineties, maybe in a hundred games. Uh, but yeah, they'll, they'll run away. Those two teams will run away from the pack for for sure. Now, uh, Boston will be lucky they finish. Be lucky they finish third. You know, even you know Toronto might even give them battle for third place. What about Jock Peterson and all of this? Because obviously you got to make room for him, and this guy is feeling really good one day that he's going to go back and play in the World Series again. Now he's not sure what's going to happen. Well, they're going to trade him, Steve, to the Los Angeles Angels, just yep. across town, the 405. Yeah, just pretty much of a salary dump, really, for prospects. So it's going to be him and Ross Stripling to the Angels for the three prospects. You know, the Dodgers is doing it, so they can get a luxury tax. So you make these big moves and still still an tax, which is a stroke of genius. So now, so now you're going to sit there, Bob. And you're going to go. You mentioned going to go to the Red Sox camp. You're going to right out of the gate. What are a couple of of early stories in the spring that you're interested to dive into to see how people feel or your personal observation when you get there? Well, the number one story by far, Steve, is going to be the Houston Astros in the yes. team scandal. That's going to dominate every single camp. Everyone's going to be asked about that. What do you think? Should those guys have been punished? Things like that. So I think that will, you know, that will be the big story for at least the first half of the spring. They'll kick up again during the regular season. So I think that thing's not going away. No, that's not going to go away. And what about the possibility of some, you know, because, look, everybody has their own personality. Are you going to be interested to see if some pitchers out there, for example, try to mete out maybe their own little justice? Sure. I remember uh, you know years ago when uh, Ryan Dempster hit Alex Rodriguez after yes. suspension or after he got caught and had not been suspended yet. So I remember that it was a Monday night Monday night baseball game. Uh, and I, yeah, I think the same thing here. Even Mike Clevenger, the Cleveland Indians, you know, has come out and say, "Hey, they, they better watch out because we're going to start drilling some people." So we'll see if they really do, or see if there's some warnings. But yeah, every time an Astro gets hit, you're going to wonder whether it's on purpose or not. So Bob, I want to ask you about the moves the Astros did make. You mentioned the Red Sox don't have a manager. The Astros now do, and they also have a GM. What did you think about Dusty's hire and the GM hire? I thought Dusty's hire was uh, brilliant. He's a perfect guy to lead Agreed. them. Uh, master as far as you know, getting the team to play together, insulating them from the outside noise. So that is perfect. The other guy kind of fits in. Uh, fits in what they were doing with the, uh, you know, the sabermetrics, analytics, and everything else. So it's almost like they're going through the same thing there, not you know, not changing the front office. All right, the Yankees camp. They went out and they got Garrett Cole, and they've got a lot of great young talent because their farm system has really paid off. What's your interest in what the Yankees look like in the, in the spring? Well, they're sort of the team to beat, you know, odds makers and everything else because of Garrett Cole. <coughs> they won uh, what, 103 games last year and with a ton of injuries. So they're probably a better team now, uh, particularly having Cole on top of that rotation. Plus, the uh, you know guys should be fairly healthy this year compared to a year ago. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be interested to see how that goes. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're certainly the team to beat in the American League. Starling Marte ends up, going, ends up going from the Pirates to the Diamondbacks in the first Ben Charrington move. What did you think of that move? Because, obviously, Pirate fans are saying, oh, great, we get to rebuild again. 
Yeah, exactly. You just had, they brought him in and they, they will rebuild. Uh, and I think, you know, hey, they get good offers for Josh Bell, who will have you. Uh, they'll, they'll deal him too. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a straight rebuild and trying to get that franchise back, you know, back on track. You know, where it was a few years ago. Obviously, uh, you know, the Chris Archer trade didn't work out. Uh, trade away a couple of top prospects are kind of coming back to haunt them. Uh, we'll see. But I think it's going to be a painful little process. You know, at least in the right division, there's no one in the division you know, that, that's going to run away and hide. It's interesting because uh, the former Pirates president, Frank Coonley, and he, he's a friend. He's a you know, Penn State grad, so I've talked to him for many, many times. He told me, he said, Steve, he says, the Archer one is the one where we broke ranks with what we've been doing. Yeah, we've dealt prospects, but not the top lines. The first time we really dealt top line guys, for, that was for Archer, he says. And he said, There's, they're a franchise, Bob, that can't make a mistake. Their margin of error has to be just right on these things. Yeah, that was a surprise. And that wasn't second guess. That was first guess. It's like, yes. yeah, man, no, Chris Archer is become more lucky number three starter. And Agreed. then uh, you're, you're going to weigh two top, two top guys. Uh, just if you dealt one of them, people kind of uh, raised their eyebrows. So I think there's a third prospect in there, too. So, yeah, yeah, people were shocked throughout baseball. Like, what are you guys doing? You know, some people think it was owner-driven. Like, okay, let's get the fans excited and everything else. The fans were excited, but, you know, he's not, uh, you know, he's not Garrett Cole. No, he's not even remotely close. All right, so, uh, what, what's your read on the Phillies as they enter the spring right now, Bob? I'm expecting them to do a little bit more after the big splash last year. I don't discount them, Steve, in the uh, hunt for uh, Chris Bryant. I still think they got to do something bigger if they wanted to win the division. Now, the division's wide open. I thought their best move was getting Joe Girardi. Uh, he'll be great for them. But, you know, right now you'd probably say the Braves are the favorites. And you still have the, uh, the, you know, the Mets and the Nationals. I mean, the Phillies could finish anywhere from first to fourth. But I think they've got to make some more moves. It's interesting with Chris Bryant because obviously the Cubs, have, you know, at the beginning, to save years on the contract, didn't play him until later, which is, by the way, typical of what many people have done. Pirates did it with Polanco. Phillies have done it with, with a couple of other guys. How do you view Chris Bryant in all of this? And how... Do you feel he's actually developed as a player on the major league level? He's going backwards a little bit, Steve. I mean, he uh, is a nice player, a versatile player. Yeah. He's never a third baseman. I'm not sure he is. Uh, you know, he's not, he hasn't produced offensive like he did. Uh, and very injury, very injury prone. So the jury's out on him. I think that's why they're asking for a ton for him. They're, they're not going to get that just because he, uh, he's, he's not that same player. See, I agree with that completely. That I know he's a name, Chris Bryant, but that's the odd part about it. I feel like he's done well, but I don't feel like he's been great. <laughs> I mean, that's how yeah, I've looked yeah. at him. Yeah, he was great when he first came up in the MVP season, of course, when they won the World Series and everything else. But he's gone a little backwards. You know, he's you know been on a lot of games and nagging injuries, which raises a concern. So teams aren't sure quite you know, what the Chris Bryant are getting. Well, we always know the Bob Nightingale we're getting. It's always great. Uh, I enjoy talking baseball with you anytime, and I appreciate the fact that you just give us your time, which is fabulous. Bob, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Oh, sure. Anytime. Take care, Steve. You too, Bob. Bob Nightingale, USA Today. He's always great. Always steps forward, talks with us. 
Um, I have a series of questions that the suit had here, but most of the players that he put down here aren't no longer playing the game. <laughs> I do not know for sure if he's on the Chris Bryant trade or not. I know a lot of Phillies fans are, but I'm not sure where he stands. Uh, you know what? This is this is I I, th- I think you could tell in the question, you know, that Bob and I feel the same way. But I'll be honest with you, I think Chris Bryan has been very very good, but not great. I think he, I feel like he's he came up big splash, big name, had to have him. They win the World Series. He gets an MVP. But then I feel like he's fallen back. He, okay, now here, now follow me on this one. You know what Chris Bryant reminds me of? He reminds me of Michigan football. Like so, <laughs> and so, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, hear me out. In other words, the name is there, right? And can be dangerous at any given time. But when it's over, you feel like you're wanting more. I agree. I think that's a perfect analogy, actually. Now the laughter becomes a perfect analogy. See, it's you know, you spent so much time with Captain Two Ninety Seven in the back. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that I mean, no, it's going to be dangerous at any given time. That's that's Bryant. Michigan football can be dangerous on any given Saturday. Yet you feel as time goes, you're left wanting more, and you don't quite understand why they're not reaching their full potential and being great. And if the Phillies learned anything, Steve, from last year, they have to focus more on getting pitching, starting pitching and bullpen. And once again, they barely did that this offseason. Those are the moves they really need to make. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting in talking to people who were around the Phillies last year. You, know, you really got the impression a year ago today. So let's go back a year ago today. That people were really excited for the season. You know, you got you know Bryce Harper, the you know the JT Real Muto. It's like oh man. And then the way the season played out, it was such a frustrating season for so many people that they didn't enjoy it. Even the wins weren't enjoyable. It just kind of felt like they were just fighting their way through the whole season. Now, I think Joe Girardi is going to make a gigantic difference in that team. Now, whether it's enough to overtake the Braves is a different question. You have to have enough of what you talked about to do that. But I think it's going to be a more enjoyable run for Phillies fans, as long as they don't get, you know, obviously injuries are going to creep up for anybody. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right. Great to have you with us. We'll hear from James Franklin in the next half hour at a press conference today. Kirk Chirac also talked to the media, too, uh, the new offensive coordinator. Uh, Still do not have a defensive line coach. That is still a work in progress, but they're starting to get, I think, pretty close to what they want to do there based on what he said today. Sounded like they were on track. Um. I think you know that D.J. Brown is uh, the corners in the transfer portal, and Ricky Slade is in the transfer portal. Um, 
So. Now Penn State is still Penn State's on the ver getting closer to getting to eighty five guys on scholarship. Part of that's going to be guys that do go into the transfer portal. They made you know we'll see how they can work this, but that's also part of the process is that um, working it to make sure you're at eighty five. Uh, that'll be important. And but DJ Brown. You know, and for DJ, I think DJ has his degree, I think, already. And then Ricky Slade put his name into the portal as well. Um, Penn State, of course, with great depth at running back, Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Devin Ford, two more coming in. Penn State's already uh, has the winter workouts going right now. I think the, uh, the coaches were at the first one they were at was on Monday, as a matter of fact. So that's where they are. Wrestling is at Wisconsin Friday night. Then I think it's at Minnesota. Uh, so just looking to get back on track, but such an individual thing. You you know they they got back on track and with the Maryland thing. I mean they were you know, Penn State even though they had a couple starters out was still heavy favorites across the board. They had more wrestlers, better depth all the way through. So that's where they are. The Lady Line basketball team, by the way, has a pink zone game Sunday at two with Illinois. And that will, you know, that game proceeds to for breast cancer research, awareness programs. Uh, it's really uh, an important game. It's been a critical fundraiser over the years. And that pink zone game is coming up Sunday for the Lady Lions and Carolyn Keekers program. When's your next game over at Soika there, Matt? Uh, women's will be there on Saturday against Loyola. And the men will be back not until next Saturday, the 15th, which is the Mike Mescala jersey retirement. And we'll have Mike on the show next week. Correct. We'll have him on next Friday at 445. So we're looking forward to that. Good. That'll be great. We'll have to cut the king short. <laughs> that we will. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, Captain 297 is not on the show at that time because you ask him one question, the segment's over. (laughs) I've never seen anybody take a yes or no question and turn it into 20 minutes. Then when he was done, I said, I just wanted yes or no. I didn't want... What? (laughs) Great to have you with us on the show today. And again, those first uh, rankings of the four regions in college basketball, Saturday, 1230 on CBS. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf.